appealing to this world. He is the redeemer of everything. Um, that's who God is. He's the creator, and he's the redeemer and restorer. And so we talked um, about healing physically last week. And if you remember, if those of you who are here, we, we've, the last few weeks we've had quite a few people who have responded to prayer for ministry. We had uh, 22 or 23 college students last week from our, our congregation in Antioch, Boston, called Antioch Brighton in Brighton, and they were here to, 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 right before they were headed out to Puerto Rico, which they had a great time in Puerto Rico, but they were part of our prayer time, and it was just a powerful time of prayer. And I asked at the end of the service, does anybody have a testimony of being healed? And um, we didn't have anybody come up right away, but after the service, people started talking to me. We just, uh, we missed the timing of be, people being able to communicate. We had somebody whose shoulder was healed, Last, last week during prayer, um, we had uh, one lady, Paula, shared with me that as the college students prayed over her for her daughter who is in a hard place physically, that she experienced the presence and the love of God as they wept with her over her daughter, which is a different kind of healing, a healing of, of compassion and encouragement. Uh, we, I had people come up and say, hey, I didn't get healed today, but I've been healed. I'd love to share testimonies of God's healing. And I wanted to invite um, somebody up this morning who stirred by the message last week and, and what God's been doing in their life in healing, they wanted to give a testimony, or actually both of them do, but I think one of them is going to share. So Sammy and Jay Lee, can you come on up? Everybody give Sammy and Jay a hand. Come on up here so we can see you. Um, Sammy is not super excited about sharing publicly, as most of us are not, but she felt God stirring her to give testimony to what God's been doing. So encourage her as she shares this morning. Um, mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Sammy Kim, and this is my husband. <laughs> I'm Jay. <laughs> and we've been um, so blessed by your prayers, humbled by your love and encouragement for the past many months, but especially for the past four plus months. Um, for those of who are new or don't know, our first child, he was 13 years old, Christopher Lee, he was diagnosed with leukemia last October. Um, October 7th is the date, and um, there are those, those times in one's life where your life changes forever, and I think that qualifies for that event. Um, so we were at Children's, one of the world's best, Dana-Farber cancer. We, he was diagnosed, he was just running fever for a week. No other symptom. It was the, the I'll share more when we have time, but the, the, the diagnosis that led, to, like that, that events that led to his diagnosis was even all divine encounters. Like I can't, like there's no mm. other explanation. But anyways, he was diagnosed on October 7th and he was admitted right away. They they took his blood samples and gave us diagnosis of AML, which is a type of leukemia. It's harder to treat. So I think leukemia is loosely um, divided into ALL and AML. And he had AML. And actually, for the next 10 days, he, they started chemo right away. The doctors thought it was AML, and he needs to be on chemo. And he was day two, they're already injecting chemo in his body, and it was just whirlwind of, I didn't really, I don't really remember much for that 10 days. Um, and then fast forward, and then in the meantime, we've been getting so many prayers from you, and, and 
I actually never Googled what it was because I really didn't want to and I didn't have time or energy to Google anything, but I'm so thankful I didn't because if I Googled AML, it's, it doesn't look good. And, um, and every day I've been getting so many verses from different people and I was just, those verses really carried me through that first many weeks. And one day, the October 17th, it was 10 days after his diagnosis, a verse came to me from Korea. My cousin, who's a believer in Korea, he sent me this verse from Mark 5, which Pastor Sean preached about bleeding woman. And we all know that parable. It's a very famous story. When I read that, I, it just that morning, it was just very different to me. And I'm just going to read quickly because I wrote it down that day. It's, um, it says, for she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt her body that she was free from her suffering. And then it skips to verse 34, and it says, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your face has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. And that day, my, so every morning we have need, uh, I pray, and then we, I just, and then day goes by, and sometimes we meet with the doctors and nurses. That evening, his doctors were looking for me, and usually those meetings, it's never good news. I actually don't want to meet with them anymore because it's always something worse is going to happen. And so I go into that, I, but the prayer that morning from that verse was that if it's not about like changing his something, he's just miraculous healed overnight that he never had a cancer. But if just like this woman from this parable, that if I had a little faith, even that faith of being able to um, touch, wanting to touch his, um, his clothes, garment, and, and know that it's going to be okay from it. And then if I get just a little glimpse of hope each day, um, then it will be okay. I can live. I can go on every day if, if God gives me just a little bit of hope. And that was my prayer. And then that afternoon, the meeting happened, and the doctors are bringing me to this room. And I sit down, and they didn't know what to say to me. And I said, what, what, what is going on? And they're like, um, he's, we don't think he has AML anymore. And I'm looking at him. And actually, there are three doctors there and two medical students. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're, they're like, we really don't have explanation. but." When he, so what they did was they in immediately diagnosed with AML by based on blood, how the cells look like under microscope and other testing. But they also did those, they also sent his cancer cells for sequencing of DNA. And those sequencing da data is coming back slowly, trickles in, and it's saying that it's, he actually has mutations that pinpoint to ALL. So we think he has ALL, and I'm, what does, and I actually didn't know what it meant. Uh, what kind of sentence does each, 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 um, each condition carry? Um, and when I tell the people, everybody just so, like they're all praising and they're like jumping up and down. So I, I was like, oh my goodness, this must be a good thing. <laughs> so what, what the biggest difference to us is that if he had AML, he would still be at hospital. They said AML carries about minimum eight months inpatient hospital treatment. Probably he needs bone, bone marrow transplant. So that was October, so there's no way of you going home until before June or July of next year. And 
so we were at that place as I didn't know how to process it, but we, it's just what it is. We have to deal with it. But ALL, he can go home in two weeks and he'll be treated as outpatient. And in fact, Christopher's not here today. He's in Florida. He's at Red Sox spring training. The clinic, the <laughs> thank you. Clinic, the clinic, Jimmy Fund Clinic, it's an amazing place. They are taking all the kids who are 13 years and up who can travel. They are taking them for weekend in Florida, Fort Myers. He's having so much fun. He's not even texting us. <laughs> He's having so much fun. He went to ski trip with the youth group last, about two weeks ago. Praise God. And so going from not being able to do anything and you'll be in hospital for 10 months and to, to be at this place, if this is not a miracle, I don't know what is. And I know we, we, we're gonna, I'm gonna close it, but I just wanted to share, I know, like, so what, that day that, that change of diagnosis happened and I was texting with Shoshana and Shoshana um, uh, sent me, I'm just gonna read uh, her text because it's just, I asked her for permission, so <laughs> before the, um, so the change of diagnosis happened on, on Tuesday, October 17th. She sent me a text on October 18th saying, praying for you today, Sammy, I'm so encouraged. I just went on for a walk on Monday afternoon with David and we prayed for the doctors to say, it was a different disease and a different prognosis. I was so excited to get Sarah's email today saying they have gotten it wrong. Believing our prayers are making it to the throne room. Wanted to send you a link to, uh, wanted to send you a huge hug and love. And that, when I got that, how, how does this happen? It, it, how does, I mean, I'm just, I was a believer before, but now I'm, I can't. <laughs> I don't want to say better believer because that probably isn't true, but <laughs> I, I just, I can, the glory goes to God. And thank you so much for all of you for uh, staying, like carrying us with your prayers. And um, like, I didn't pray for actually progress, like the ch diagnosis to change, but David and Shoshana did with their faith and it happened. And I actually asked last story, the, uh, the doctors at Children's um, because they felt really bad that they, they didn't miss, it's not an act, they, they didn't, but it was, the doctor said his cancer cell looked very unique from the beginning. It was on a spectrum of it could be AML or ALL, but they were very sure it was AML. And I asked them, like, I'm not putting it to spot or anything, but how does, how often does this happen? And the doctor looked at me, never. It, it never happened in her 20 years of career. And the pathologist, Mark Fleming at Children, he is the world's best eyes. He hasn't gone home in two days because of he needs to re-stain his cells to make sure that they're all scratching their heads. So Christopher was very famous at Children's <laughs> Hospital. They all so oh, you're that kid who, who, who kept Mark at the, at the hospital for two days. It, it was, it was um, it, so to me, it's just a miracle all around. So thank you so much for this chance. Amen. Jay, you want to say anything? Okay. <laughs> well, let's keep that in our minds as we move into 
the rest of today's message. I want to start off by reading um, the next chapter. We looked at Mark 5, and I want to just look at the next story in Mark 6, verse 1 through 6. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So we've already seen lots of healings. We've seen him do an amaz- amazing things with multiple people healed, and, and sometimes the whole crowd or the whole town healed. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I love the Bible. You know what I love about the Bible? Is that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat the story of humanity. The Bible doesn't tell us all the hits. But the Bible also tells us about the, wow, head scratchers. The, wow, that just totally throws a wrench in my theology. We know when we follow Jesus that Nothing can stop Jesus. If he, if he wants to do something, he can do it because he's God. And we've seen Jesus in Scripture, and we'll see it throughout the, t- the story of him doing stuff powerfully among unbelievers. But in this context, in this situation, he wasn't able to heal everybody because of the unbelief of the town because of something that was going on in the spirit or something in that context or something that God was wanting to communicate to those people or something that God was wanting to communicate to us 2,000 years later that causes us to get out of our formula and be connected with the living God. Jesus is a healer. Jesus encourages us, and we've studied all last week. We talked about being encouraged to live by faith and to and to believe. And in this context, even in this passage of scripture, now uh, this was a town of unbelief, so it's a different context. But we see again this this con- this concept of faith in belief or unbelief impacting healing. But we also have Jesus in the middle of it. Jesus is full of faith. There's nobody that has more faith. You're talking about having more faith or being more of a believer. There's nobody that's more a believer than Jesus. He's it. And he didn't heal. I want you to let that sink in. What does that do to your faith? What does it do to your faith when Jesus doesn't heal? When he doesn't heal in your timing? He doesn't heal in your way. He doesn't heal according to your theology. He just doesn't heal. 
What does it do to your faith when God doesn't heal and people die because he doesn't heal? We would be a shallow church if we don't wrestle with that question. If our only answer is, well, I don't know. No, we need to go a little bit deeper than I don't know. We need to go to who God is and where our faith is placed and why he doesn't heal and what we do when we don't understand why he doesn't heal. I had faith. I prayed. I persevered. I got, and I'll, I'll talk about all these. I, we've already talked about all these things. And we'll talk about them again. But he doesn't heal. There's, there's a few things in the kingdom of God that are a paradox. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man, a paradox. I don't, know, I don't care what part of that theology you're at, but none of us have it all together on that, the, on, on that point. We just, we just have to embrace the mystery that God is sovereign and he, he expects us to do something. And that's true in healing as well. God is sovereign. He expects us to have faith. And then when we don't see what happens, he expects us to continue to trust him and to believe. I'm looking around this room. It's, it's such a difficult topic to talk about last week and this week because I'm looking at people who are sick and not fully healed in this room. I am thinking about people that I've prayed a hundred times over and they have not been healed. And then I'm looking around the room and I've seen people that are healed, that have experienced the healing of God. We just heard one. Lots of us, myself included, supernaturally healed by the power of God. So let's journey into that together. So I want to just start by some central truths to hang our theology on that we talked about. God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. He's not a bad father. He's not a a father that holds back his goodness from his, his children. He is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Luke 11, 1 through 13, Jesus is talking. He's just been praying. The, the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray, and so he shares with them the Lord's Prayer, of which all of us know. He gives us some illustrations of some things that we could pray for. And then he... Uh, tells a parable where he talks about uh, somebody who has some guests that come at night and they don't have food and they're, they're asking their neighbor for food. Let's read about that. Then the teacher, then teaching them more about prayer, he uses this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight waiting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, wanting to borrow, excuse me. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to eat. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, ah, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give him whatever he needs because of his shameless persistence. And so I tell you, this is Jesus talking. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if, you're, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
God the Father always, always, always has our best interests in mind. Always. And not only that, what's so unbelievably remarkable about God is he can have your best interest in mind and he can have your neighbor's best interest in mind at the same time and work it all out. We can't do that. And sometimes we try to. And that's where we get in trouble. We try to work it all out for everybody as if we're God. But what we have to rest on is that God is good and that he will give good gifts to his children if we continue to ask. If we continue to ask. And he works it out, as Romans says, for the good. So our encouragement is keep asking. Keep asking. Keep persisting. Keep believing. I was looking at the Poochies right here in the front row, and they've got a couple of stories in their own life about God healing them as they persisted in asking. It didn't happen immediately. And in one situation with their son Caleb, what was it? Two years? Three, yeah, three years for full, complete healing. But they never stopped believing and asking for his healing. And God answered their prayer. Same with Shasha's dad. And we have lots of those stories in our church. And then sometimes he answers a deeper prayer. Sometimes it's physical. And sometimes it's something else that God heals or does first. We have to trust him. So God is always good. And the second truth I want us to rest on is not only is he good, but that we have to trust him. We have to trust him. My favorite, there's lots and lots of verses on that passage, on that theme, but my, one of my favorites is Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. He says, but blessed is the man who puts, who, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What a blessing it is to have a confidence in the Lord that whether things are going our way every time we pray or when they don't seem to turn out the way that we want them, that we continue to trust God, even in the heat, even in the fire, even in the trial, even in the drought where the prayers keep on not getting answered. I love the, I love the picture because of our roots being rooted in the deep love of God, we can continue to trust, we can continue to hope. Okay, another month of drought, but rain is coming. Another month of drought, okay, but rain is coming. I'm not going to stop hoping and believing. And not only that it's coming, but I love the picture of this scripture. In the midst of the drought, my leaves are green. There's still stuff happening in my life. There's still joy. There's still ministry. There's still encouragement. There's still prayers. Something might not be happening to me, but I'm praying for somebody else and something's happening in somebody else's life. And I'm excited about that. I'm not comparing. I'm not, I'm not in a woe is me or a, or a, or a, a martyr's complex. Oh, I can't believe everything's going good for everybody else, but it's not going good for me. No, my leaves are green. 
It's not happening to me today, but it'll happen tomorrow. And in the meantime, I'm giving you everything that God's given me. I'm hoping in the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love being around people like that? Sometimes the most encouraging, and this is going to lead into our, 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 our conversation about why God doesn't heal. Sometimes the most encouraging people in our lives are the people that are in a drought but are still green. Could it be possible that you are so favored and honored by God that he's allowing you to be in a drought because he knows you will glorify him in the drought? He knows that people around you are going to get so encouraged because you're going through a trial and you haven't given up hope. That you are, as James said, considering it pure joy when you face a trial or a tribulation, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's something going on in you. Let's not be so um, predictable that the only way that God can be glorified is if we are healed immediately. Or that the only way that God can be glorified is if we are healed at all. That is not the fullness of, of Scripture. The fullness of Scripture is that our faith is in God and He is good. And we trust Him completely and He will always give us good gifts as we lean into Him. Mine and Laura's story, we've been dealing sicknesses with sickness or different things for 10 plus years. I've been healed some, but I've had lingering things that are going on in my body. Same with my wife. But our leaves remain green. And we never give up hoping in God. We are not defined by our trial. We're defined by our Savior. And so are you. So why does God not heal? Why does God heal? A recap. We've talked about this. I'll go through this quickly because that is who he is, Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. That is who I am. I am a healer. And he is one who came to heal. Jesus, spoken of Jesus in 1 Peter 2 in a reference to Isaiah 53, the prophetic word. Jesus, he never sinned, verse 22, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judged fairly. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And that healing there is physical healing. By his stripes, one translation says it. By what he suffered, he paid for our sins and our sicknesses on the cross. It's paid for. It's dealt with. It's, it's canceled by Jesus. But sin and sickness still remain in this world. So it wasn't eliminated. Sin was not removed from this world when Christ died on the cross, nor was sickness removed from this world when he died on the cross, even though both of those were paid for by Jesus. And the power that they have over us was canceled by Christ Jesus. It's still 
a world that we live in that's full of sin and sickness. I would like to say that when I got saved, I stopped sinning. But I didn't. I still sin. I'm not bragging, and I believe that God is sanctifying me, and I believe that I sin less today than I did 20 or however many years ago it was when I was saved. It doesn't change the fact that it was paid for, but I'm still being sanctified, and I'm still, I'm still being healed by God. Jesus, why does he heal? Because he's a God of compassion. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. He's a compassionate God. He is moved by our pain and suffering and our sickness. He heals because of our faith and our persistence. We just talked about that as a, uh, already, so I'll move on. And he heals so that he might receive glory. Ultimately, everything about what God does or allows us to be a part of is for the purpose of, if we're living for him, so that he can receive glory and people can know him. Right? Reminded of the, the, the story in John 9 where it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because that's what they believed. Right? That our sickness or our, our, our diseases were as a result of our personal sin or our parents' sin. He said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life because he was going to be healed. God would receive glory. So why does he not heal? He doesn't heal because we still live in a fallen world and there's still sin in the world and it's a journey of God's ultimate purpose. Healing is a part of his purpose, but his ultimate purpose is to save souls, right? He didn't just come so that we could have be free from physical sickness. It is a... It is a taste or a touch of the kingdom of God. It is a part of the revelation of who God is because when we live with God in his kingdom, as he's revealing his kingdom, um, and as he talks, as we talk about that ultimate kingdom of heaven, there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more unbelief. There will be no more sin in heaven. But we're not in heaven yet. And as a result, there's still sin and sickness in our world because God is waiting so that more can be saved. If he healed everybody right now, that's equivalent to him coming back. His full presence in the world of healing and healing meaning the full person, sin, physical Soul, spirit, if healing came because God has the power to heal everybody, if that is what he wanted to do, then the world is finished as we know it. He's back. And he's waiting so that our human interaction with him, our choice, those who don't know Jesus, they have an opportunity to come to know him. We see this in, in 2 Peter. This is how he described it. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He, doesn't not, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The patience of God is that before he comes back and brings the full, complete healing of his kingdom, he's waiting a little bit longer 
so more people have the opportunity to repent and turn, over, turn their lives over to him. As a result, we find ourselves as the redeemed in that waiting with him. We find ourselves in the place of that struggle or that battle in this world, waiting for the full reign of God to come to this earth. Remember, fallenness in our world, humans and creation, is brought about by sin. Fallenness is a result of sin. God is taking what is bad and using for good, eternal purposes. He weeps when we weep. He's burdened by our pain and our suffering. But he, he, he longs, longs for, what he longs for more is salvation, for eternal deliverance that comes through what Christ has done for us on the cross. <clears throat> I like the way that Joni Erickson Tata describes it. And for those of you who don't know Joni, she, um, on July 30th, 1967, she drove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging, she dove into it, after misjudging the shallowness of the water, and she suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriple quadriplegic. She was paralyzed from the shoulders down at that, after that accident. And to this day, to this writing, she has not been healed physically, although she has been prayed for thousands of times, and she has believed with all of her heart for God's healing. God has not allowed her to be healed, so that's 33, 43, 51 years ago. But during her two years of rehabilitation, according to her autobiography, she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thought, thoughts, and religious doubts. However, she found Jesus in her pain and her suffering. And since then, she has been an incredible witness to others going through pain and suffering and sickness and disease. She, she paints with, her, with a, um, a brush in her mouth. She paints these unbelievable paintings. Uh, she teaches. She shares. She's got such a, a sweet and God-filled heart and spirit. And this is how she sees suffering in the world, including sickness and disease. Does God cause blindness or does he allow it? Because this is what we all ask, right? These are the questions we ask. Does he plan for a person to be born deaf or does he permit it? In short, does God want disease? The key here is how we use the word want. God doesn't want disease to exist in the sense that he enjoys it. He hates disease just as he hates all other results of sin. He hates death, guilt, sorrow, for example. But God must want disease to exist in the sense that he wills or chooses for it to exist, for if he didn't, he would wipe it out immediately. Because he can, right? God is delaying, and this is what we were talking about earlier, God is delaying closing the curtain on suffering until more of the world can have a chance to hear the gospel. For if God erased all disease today, he would also have to erase sin, the general cause of disease, and that would mean the destruction of all people. It is God's mercy that delays judgment. Quote, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Lamentations 3, 32 through 33. So does God ordain, permit, plan, allow? The verb is not so much the important thing as the noun, God. And God is love. And you know, I would say this, God still might heal Joni. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome, 51 years of ministry, for her to have perseverance and faith in the place of trial and trusting God and allowing God 
to be glorified through her suffering and through her sickness, but wouldn't it be also amazing if she was healed 51 years later? And there's stories out there like that. And there's also lots of stories of faith-filled Jesus followers who go all the way to their grave without being healed. As a matter of fact, death itself is the ultimate sickness and the ultimate healing for believers. It's both. The ultimate mark of sin in this world is death, and people die, and they don't get healed from death sometimes. And then as believers, when we die, we know that we enter into our greatest and fullest healing. Right? For those of us who are getting older, we understand that better and better. That this world is marked by pain and suffering and redemption and grace and healing. It is all in this world. And in the middle of that, I like what Joni says, is God. If our faith is in the healing, we'll be disappointed. If our faith is in the suffering, we will be disappointed. If our faith is in the goodness of God and trusting Him, we will always be encouraged, even if the trial is beyond what we could ever imagine or possibly think about. So why does God not heal? There's fruit in the suffering and enduring of sickness and trial. We don't like to say it, but there is. James just said it in James 1. I just quoted it. There is fruit in trial if we embrace Jesus. There's fruit in the one who suffers if we embrace God. No father, let's go back to the father, father illustration, no father wants suffering for his child, right? I don't want my child to suffer, but at the same time I discipline my child. Discipline suffering. Nobody likes discipline. Why do I sometimes discipline my child? So that a greater work of, of, of maturity or whatever the purpose is of, of learning obedience or whatever will happen in my child. So I make a choice as a father to discipline for a season so that a greater good can be, happen in that, in that child's life. It's a part of being, I think, a part of being a good parent. As a matter of fact, parents who don't discipline their children because they don't want them to experience pain or suffering are not necessarily good parents. Actually, God talks about that in Hebrews 12. God disciplines those he loves. Now, before you go too far, because some of you are already tracking beyond what I'm saying, I am not saying that he is giving you sickness to discipline you. So that's not what I'm saying. But I am addressing the issue of suffering because some of us don't even think that God allows suffering in our lives. And yet we do believe in discipline. And those are the same things. Those are the same trials. And sometimes he doesn't heal us immediately, which means that if he can and he doesn't, he's allowing something to happen so that we can trust in him and believe in him. If we trust in the goodness of God and embrace him, anything that we go through, whether we're healed or not, can be for his glory. Amen? It can be. The suffering from God. Sometimes no. Sometimes yes. 
just it's it's a part of the it's part of how we are living in this world. It's a part of what God's doing. And now why would he do that? I think that sometimes he does that so that he can allow people who don't know Jesus to see our faith in the trial that they're experiencing. Sometimes the only way the gospel can be seen in people who don't know Jesus is when people go, you know what? They understand what I'm walking through and they're glorifying Jesus in the midst of it. If we don't have a trial, if we don't have suffering that we walk through as believers and we expect that the only way that people are going to see it is if we preach to them and say, God's always doing good things in our lives. Half the world will not ever be able to understand what you're talking about. But if you say, you know what, I found Jesus and I'm going through a hard time and I still glorify Jesus and he's still good and my leaves are still green as we talked about earlier, then all of a sudden they go, wow, what's this Jesus that you talk about? So we talk about Joni, or we t I mentioned last week about Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson's son was born deaf, and he's still deaf. And yet they still believe for healing. And his son, who's deaf, prays for deaf people to be healed. But he's not healed. And how does God get glory in that? God gets glory because Bill and his son are still trusting and hoping in God, even though they're not experiencing the healing that they're believing for. And they're believing that he's going to be healed still. And until he's healed, they're going to still pray for the sick and they're still going to believe for the things of God. But as a person who is deaf, defined as sickness, there is a trial that his son is going through in that sickness that he's not delivered from yet. But his faith in God and his trust in God give glory to others. And people are being healed and they're being, I would imagine, introduced to the love of Jesus. There's a, there's a privilege when we suffer because we fellowship with Christ that Paul talks about. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with him in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Almost nobody as a believer has any problem with suffering if we're persecuted for our faith. Nobody has a problem of saying, you know what, sometimes we just have to suffer because we're persecuted for Jesus. Well, God, the same God who's allowing us to be persecuted for our faith is the same God who enters this story of healing with us. So we can't, we can't say it's okay for us to suffer in persecution, but it's not okay for us to suffer in any other way. If God is allowing it for his glory, then let's give glory for him. I just watched a story, can I just tell you? Ah, oh my gosh. Richard Wormbrand's story. Anybody know who Richard Wormbrand is? He was tortured for Christ as a Romanian, a Romanian Lutheran pastor. When communism came into Romania, he was captured, and he was put in prison. And for 14 years, he was brutally tortured because they wanted names from him of other believers, and he wouldn't give them to him. He prayed. I mean, just I can't even describe how bad he was tortured. But in the midst of not getting free, set, set, uh, in the midst of being in prison for 14 years, three years he was in solitary confinement in a, in a room just no bigger than a quarter of this stage. He kept on praying. He kept on singing. He kept on glorifying God. He kept on meeting with people who knew Jesus. I mean, it, it, other believers. And they were stirred. They knew that when they were caught praying, they would get beaten for praying. 
And at the last, towards the end of his life, the, the, the brutal guard that beat him all the time came in and said, as he was praying, he opened the door, he said, you're praying again? Why are you praying? What could you be praying for? You've been in prison and beaten. Where is your God? Your wife is in prison and she is being, be, being beaten. Your kids are orphans. What could you be praying for? And he looks at this guard with compassion and tears in his eyes and says, I was praying for you. I was praying for you. He had been so transformed by the love of God that even the man who beat him oftentimes daily was being loved through his prayers. The, in the movie, it depicts this guard's reaction by surprise and tears that that kind of love could be possessed by human. Christ had done something in the fellowship of suffering that had not only strengthened Rich <coughs> Wormbrand, but it also made an impact on those that were around him. So sometimes, as we trust him, he can be glorified through our suffering. And sometimes his delay of healing is because he's doing something more perfect that we don't understand and can't see. And of course, there are times the scripture says that we don't receive our healing because we don't ask. James talks about that. Because we don't have faith. We just talked about that earlier. There's unbelief in our hearts. But he just wants us to keep on asking. But in all of those scenarios, it takes faith. Not faith for the outcome, but faith in a loving God who has our best interests in mind and cares about us. And so we trust him, and we put our faith in him, and we come knowing that he is good and holy. Our posture is a people, humility and faith in Jesus. God has asked us to have faith and to keep on asking. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep believing. Because I believe God is Jehovah Rapha, healer. I believe that Jesus Christ has paid for it on the cross that is defeated. I believe that he desires uh, to, to alleviate and to bring compassion and mercy in my suffering. And I also believe that if he doesn't, he's still good. And he's doing something better than I understand. Praise the Lord, I and you are, do not believe that we are God. We'd be in trouble if we did. We don't understand everything that God is doing, but he is good, and I'm going to keep on trusting and keep on asking. I've got a friend who has had the same, same situation as Joni, and she's been prayed for hundreds of times, and so I've, lived, I've seen it up close, and she is so filled with joy anytime somebody wants to pray for her to get out of her wheelchair. But not yet. So she keeps on asking, and she keeps on loving Jesus. <clears throat> so can I have the band come on up? So I'm going to have time for just a few minutes here to respond. So what do we do when we are sick? We ask. We get before the Lord. As Sammy was talking about, we touch the hem of his garment. We, we, uh, we plead. We beseech. Other things that we do, we get around people that have experienced healing, both personally or who have prayed for people who are healed, because faith stirs faith. So 
So ask people that you know that have seen lots of people healed to pray for you, to just stand with you. We trust God no matter the circumstances, and we end where we began with thankful hearts that God is good. Stand up with me. Is God good? That was weak. Is God good? Is he, is he good in your circumstance? Is God a healer? Is God a deliverer? Does God want you to seek him this morning for your need and position yourself before him this morning? Amen. Is God good in your trial? So if you have a need this morning and you want to find God's healing, standing back up in the line again and saying, God, I'm going to keep on asking. I want to encourage you to come forward. We want to pray for you again. We had healings last week, ladies and gentlemen. We had somebody's shoulder who, who was healed. We had, uh, I'm, I'm thinking there were probably more people that were touched physically in that way. People were encouraged. If you have a need and you want God to heal, come forward. If you need encouragement because you're going through a long trial, and when I read that Jeremiah passage, you're like, I want green leaves in the drought. I want green leaves uh, in this heat. Come forward. You know, as Paula was prayed for last week, and she's been through a long trial with her daughter, she was so encouraged because people wept with her, comforted her, encouraged her in her faith. So if you have need for healing, if you have need for encouragement, let's respond to the Lord right now. Why don't you come on forward and pray, and we'll have... So if that's you, come forward. We'll do the same thing as we did last week. If you have a need you want prayer for, come forward.